Freedom is a feeling, and the best way to truly feel free is behind the wheel of a Jeep SUV. Find out what true freedom feels like at Jeep Freedom Days. Right now, current owners or lessees of competitive vehicles purchasing at $1,750 total bonus cash on the 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee L Limited. No trade-in, turn-in required. Competitive vehicles exclude all other FCA vehicles. Residency restrictions apply. Must take retail delivery by 7522. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Hello, Island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, this is Tim Eccles, Vice Chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission, and I am living a sustainable life. I'm down in Savannah. Kayla Brown has just taken me on a very long bike ride. We went all the way up to Big Bond Bodega. We bought some bagels, and now we're back in Johnson Square. How cool is it to bike in such beautiful weather in Georgia's first capital city? Oh, it's really awesome, and thank you for joining me for for that bike ride. I know you just wanted some bagels, but I had to do a quick tour of all the infrastructure we have. So, I mean, it's beautiful weather today. We had a little bit of rain, but uh, it's turning out to be a beautiful day to go on a bike ride. Kayla, tell me about your organization and the role that y'all have played in making Savannah more bike friendly. So, uh, Bikewalk Savannah, we're a nonprofit advocacy group, and we believe that we need to make our streets safer for everyone using them. Whether you're biking, walking, rolling, or driving, we think you should be able to get from point A to point B safely with dignity and feel like you're having fun doing it. So, we do a lot of work on uh, teaching people how to ride and walk safely. We refurbish bicycles and give them to people who are in need of transportation. We host encouragement events to you know, get people out biking and get people out walking and show them a new place to go. But then also working with the city of Savannah, Chatham County and other agencies to make sure that we're designing our streets from the ground up for everyone using them. So I'm not a real handy guy. And of course, I mean, who doesn't have bicycles? And sometimes after the winter, my bike is making a clicking noise or the tire's flat or the chain is not right. You help people like me get back on the bike. We do. So we're not a full service bike shop, but we can take a look at a bike, tell you what might be wrong with it, and also teach you how to refix it yourself. So with our bicycle repair program called New Standard Cycles, we take donated bikes uh, and use them kind of as, as our canvas. Teach people how to change tubes and tires, how to change a chain, how to adjust your derailleur or your brakes, and do good while learning something new. The bike I was on today, and we'll put a picture of it on Matters Radio Twitter feed, is made by Alderman Nick Palumbo, uh, and it is a vintage-looking bike, but it's anything but antique. It really is a, a custom experience. So he's taken kind of the old-school effect, the white wall tires, the beach cruiser-type frame, and has really brought it into, you know, the current era. So it's a e-assist bike. There's also a throttle on it. Uh, it gets you going where you need to go and also extends your juice and your battery. So uh, if you think of Savannah, we have a lot of flat land, thankfully. Uh, we don't need to go up a hill, but we need to go maybe a little bit farther to get to our destination, especially if you're going on the south side. But in areas like Athens or Macon or Atlanta where you have a lot of hills, an e-bike or an e-assist bike can really get you up that hill and really open up a whole new world. I know one of the hotels, the Bryce that I stay at, they have a couple of bikes that you can borrow and I was speaking to a SCAD ecology class right out there by Big Bond Bodega at that building on on East 37th and I was dressed up in a suit. Savannah can be a bit humid. This was, you know, during the school year, so, but it was still toasty and I got on that bike and I really arrived uh, because it's about three miles out there I arrived pretty sweaty but today 
with the e-assist bike that I was on, it was a much easier ride, and we went to virtually the same place. Yeah, it just really opens up the world for a lot of people. You know, pe previously, people maybe would need to have a change of clothes at their office or have access to a shower in order to feel comfortable going about their day. And an e-assist bike means that you can extend a little, expend a little bit of effort, but you get to your destination, possibly looking a little fresher, unless you're going through a rainstorm. <laughs> So as you think about biking and its advantages, say, to life and health, what is it you tell people? I mean, one of the things that I really love to focus on is, you know, just getting a little bit of physical activity can really turn your day around. Uh, a lot of the time we're in front of our computers, especially after the pandemic. Maybe we've been working from home for over two years and we haven't really left our houses that much. So uh, getting out on your bike just for a little bit of physical activity not only you know keeps your mind fresh, keeps your lungs healthy, your heart healthy, but can just release a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety that a lot of us currently have. What my wife and I enjoy about biking when we go to say Jekyll Island because we always rent bikes at Jekyll Island is you can just see more in the same amount of time. You really could. We, uh, we like to call it uh, windshield bias is when you're behind your windshield, you don't really get to immerse yourself in what's going on around you. You don't see your environment. If you are trying to see the beauty of Savannah's trees or you're trying to hear the birds or feel the breeze, you have to physically stop your car, get out of it, and then you can put yourself in that experience. But when you're on a bike, you get to experience all of that and more just from behind your handlebars. Nick's bike uh, is uh, a bike that you can just plug into a 110 outlet and it will go, what, 50-something miles? Yeah, so he gets about 50 miles per charge, but that's with an e-assist. That would be running it full throttle the whole time. So when you're assisting on your current power, you can go even farther than that. And yeah, it's a quick charge. Um, and there are a bunch of different devices, a bunch of different types of bicycles that have electronic assist or a throttle control. And so you can go anywhere from, you know, 50, to 150 miles depending on the bike that you have you see there's an led light on the back of his bike and it's it's pulsating and i have found as i try as a motorist to be careful and you know and yield the road to bikers that those pulsating lights are really helpful both on the front and the back yeah, uh, it is Georgia state law. When uh, it is dark out, you need to have a red rear reflector or light. We recommend a light because it can just be seen a lot farther. Um, but also having that reflector on your bike is a quick attention grabber for a motor vehicle driver. And then on the front, you're required to have a front white light that's emitting a light that can be seen from a, a good distance away. So one of the things we recommend uh, as an advocacy group is if you are having a white front light that's blinking, have a steady one as well that helps uh, people see you no matter which direction they're coming from, what time they're paying attention, and that blinking light will grab the attention, and that white light helps them know exactly how far away you are. Hey, if you're just joining us, I'm in Savannah. We're in Johnson Square. Uh, it's right in front of that big gold dome in Savannah, City Hall. This was uh, the square where they read the Declaration of Independence for the first time. Kayla uh, works uh, with all things biking here. Kayla, let me ask you, uh, do you feel like electric vehicles and all the talk about batteries and um, mobility kind of in a different context has it been a help? I definitely think so because it's really helped us think about different modes of transportation. You know, when we're talking about electric vehicles, we're not just talking about a car. We're talking about electric bikes. We're talking about buses. We're talking about, um, you know, freight capacity and trains. And we're talking about how all of those work together. So when we're, you know, one of the things that, that we like to say is, you know, every electric car is less emissions, but, you know, really what we're looking at is how can we totally reduce the number of cars that are on our streets? So transitioning what we do have, what the cars that need to be there to electric, and then transitioning people who maybe could make biking part of their lives with an e-bike, making that their choice. You know, when I think about just all the benefits of exercise, from burning adrenaline so that you can sleep better when you lay down uh, to go to bed, to less knee surgeries and all the issues that, that we get when we're too sedentary, it seems like biking, walking, running, I mean, gyms are just wildly popular, you know, here you know, in Georgia and across the U.S. Do you feel like uh, that exercise uh, and biking has kind of gained a new hold on life? 
it definitely has, especially during the pandemic when people weren't out as much. Um, they recognized that they needed to have a little physical activity to work off those, uh, you know, quarantine jitters and getting out and biking was a really great option for people. They recognized that when there were less cars on the streets, they felt safer. They felt safer on a, whether it was just a regular street or on a bike lane. And so we had a lot of people kind of post COVID when they started going back to work, they were riding their bikes out and they recognized how dangerous their neighborhood was. Speaking back to that windshield bias, that perspective where previously they were in their car, they didn't notice everything on the street. But when they were suddenly out of their car and biking or walking, they noticed that there was a lot of issues that there was an opportunity to improve. And so we have a lot of newfound advocates and a lot of people who are really supporting making biking part of their daily lives. Yeah, and one of those people is standing with us now, just walked up, uh, Alderman Nick Palumbo and He's the manufacturer of this bike that I've had the chance to spend some time on. Nick, your biking has always been a priority from the first day that I met you. You were talking about biking. You think about it every day, don't you? That's right. It's it's not just today and tomorrow. It's the future. How people get around in movement, freedom of mobility is so valuable and important uh, in our country. And we think back, you know, I know that you're a historian. So you think back to the old ages, right? And you think back to the UK, uh, mobility and and freedom of mobility was very important to our founding fathers. The ability to go from point A to point B without having to check in with the crown, you know, was an important right that was built into our Constitution. So I think a lot about that and how mobility changes everything, where people are moving, how it grows cities, how it changes and evolves and adapts. The advent of the streetcar, the advent of the automobile. And now as electric technologies are coming on board and more accessible than before, how they're evolving and changing the public domain for cities like Savannah. Yeah, there's a lot happening in this city. If you haven't come to Savannah in a while, you should. It's just a wonderful place. I often tease sometimes with folks saying that we should we should return Savannah to being the capital of Georgia. What would you think about that? That's right. We've already have the gold dome and it's right behind me right now. So, you know, you don't have to change too much. So uh, we would love to have uh, everybody come back down and, and, and see us again. But we're proud to be Georgia's mother city. Hey, you've been listening to Kayla, to Nick here in in Savannah and we, we're just back from our biking experience hey send us a message on Twitter at Matters Radio send us a picture of your bike uh, tell us about your experience this is Tim Eccles you're listening to Energy Matters I'll be back in just a second hey this is Tim Eccles you want to make your car boat jet ski look really cool use my friends at Jim Rap. That's G-E-M Rap. Just go to Facebook and put in Gym Raps and you'll see what I'm talking about. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how? We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters, still in Savannah, of course, my home away from home uh, as a commissioner. And I am with Jake and Whitney. They're from Colorado, and we're out at the Chelsea at Five Points housing project here. And they are putting solar on this housing project, a program that Savannah's doing. Jake, how cool is this? 
It's really cool. It's really cool that they can uh, split it into individual apartments. They're usually left out of, uh, you know, uh, the kickbacks and, and that kind of thing. So it, it's nice, and obviously the tenants get the savings. Yeah, so the idea is for these apartment dwellers in these buildings that this is going on to be able to get the benefit, right, Whitney, of this uh, of this energy? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the best things about it is, is just because, say, apartment A uses uh, 200% energy um, and uh, unit C only uh, uses uh, uh, 60%, uh, you know, each person still gets to benefit from the savings of the solar. Um, it's going to bring it down so that every single person uh, has the benefit of um, the sun, uh, which we all love. Why not take advantage of the free power? Yeah, so we're at a housing project. Obviously, uh, to get in here, you've got to... Uh, you've got to meet certain income qualifications uh, and then oftentimes folks in these uh, housing projects are, are maybe paying a higher percentage of their income to their utility bill that's what's called energy burden so jake i guess what's going to happen here is everybody's bill's going to be reduced a little bit yeah absolutely it's going to be reduced significantly really um i'm not sure how they meter it exactly but uh uh, the tenants are excited, I can tell you that. So, Jake, you guys are doing the installation here. We've got uh, a lift. We've got the panels here. Tell me about uh, these panels. These are different than I've seen before. Uh, these are, they're big boys. They're 50-volt uh, DC. Um, I believe they're 15-amp, uh, and they'll go into a box that is, uh, you know, like just like your house, uh, 240 volts, and it'll be split out, so... They, uh, they'll get to use a range and the AC will run off it. It's, it's a complete unit, it's not just uh, 120 um, voltage. It's, uh, it'll be the utility. Whitney, as you guys are putting these uh, panels up on these, uh, on these units, I'm, I'm sure the residents are coming over here and asking you, what are, what are some of the questions you're being asked? Um, it, it, general questions of it, how much money is it going to save me? That's what everybody is really interested in. Uh, the four or five people that, you know, just yesterday, they want to know. Um, for one, it's a burden on them. Um, it, you come into low-income housing uh, to save money, and then that money then in turn goes right out uh, for a power bill. Um, it's a burden, as you say, to the residents, and they're very, very <laughs> the same that we have. Um, it, the residents are so interested in how much money are we going to save it's of course right now hard to tell um, but it, the first week after installation they'll have a really good idea on what the benefits are going to be and I tell you what um, the questions of it you know uh, how long does it take uh, to get those savings it's automatic uh, once the panel goes up it's LinkedIn we're working off the sun so it, it's such a huge benefit to to be able to know the sun is helping it's people a it's a really good thing it's a remote system too so uh, each individual can see how much they consume and uh, it's live you know it uh, Wi-Fi is to you know the big man <laughs> and uh, everybody will know what they're using yeah they get I, to see their savings which yeah. is awesome for the residents they get to see what they're saving or, um, off the Sun yeah so I've got the in phase unit on my house I've got uh, creative solar uh, USA did our solar we only have too little kilowatts so we don't have very much but it, it, you know it, the the quantity doesn't really matter i think as we enter just enter this clean economy energy economy because anybody that puts solar on their house or goes on a time of use rate or has an electric car they begin to think about energy a little bit diff different don't they whitney Absolutely. Um, it, you know, our, our carbon footprint, as it, people are calling it, and I've heard, it, you know, watching your show and getting up to speed on it, it you know, the things that we're leaving, be, it, you know, uh, the cars, the everything. I love the fact that um, it, the world is, is starting to, uh, to gain speed, as you could call it, on um, the sun, which we've always had. Um, it's really good to know that. We were talking earlier about the RV camping movement and how they are becoming more energy conscious. And you were saying that the pandemic drove that. Explain that. Um, it, you know, six feet away. Um, we, we all had to... Uh, 
we had this rule that was put on us that it, we weren't used to. Uh, stay six feet away. Don't No shaking hands. The RV industry uh, had already been doing that. Uh, your campsites are already 12 feet apart. Um, boondocking camping where it, you're isolating yourself from other people so that you can ride your motorcycles, your uh, tent camp. Um, it, it picked up a huge, huge following um, because we had to do it at that point. Um, people didn't realize uh, camping then uh, became COVID friendly and what had been for 50 years prior to that. Jake, let me ask you, uh, occasionally, not very often, but I mean, I regulate energy here in Georgia with my colleagues. Occasionally, we will have folks talk about going off the grid completely. Do you ever see a day when that becomes kind of a popular mainstream thing, or do you think it's always going to be kind of a French thing? Uh, I think it'll become more popular, but honestly, it forces you to manage your own utilities or your own resources. So as we're all becoming more aware of, of resource management, you know, you, you don't leave every light in the house on, you, you, but you learned it the hard way when you're off grid, you know, now you have to uh, either wait a couple of days for your batteries to boost back up or, uh, you know, tell your kids to turn off the light. Which isn't a bad thing anyway. <laughs> you know, with my solar, with my solar array, particularly in the afternoons, as I am leaving the house, I am going through turning everything off because I'm thinking, you know, every every little bit of energy that I turn off is going to go back on the grid and I'm going to get paid for that. Uh, so I'm turning my whole house fan off. I'm turning every light bulb off. There's hardly anything running when I leave. And I know that on a great day like today, I'm going to be pushing a lot back on the grid. And I think there's a lot to be said about helping residents here at Chelsea at Five Points understand how the grid works, understand kind of the value of energy, Whitney. Absolutely. And I think holding ourselves, you and me and Jake and Dawson, uh, you know, who is a property owner here, what a property manager, manager um, doing a fantastic thing for the people that live here, making ourselves responsible for what we do. When you go through and shut everything off, it, it puts the power in your hands. It's a good feeling for people to have that. And I think being able to see that as well and knowing that the savings then are returning to their pockets is going to be very very awesome for people yeah dawson uh you are in management here at chelsea at five points are you hearing a lot of positive things from residents about what's going on oh yes yes they want to be assured you know that the expense is going to be at least a little less <laughs> and that's always in their mindset so i would think uh that's the main response we've been getting from people is that uh, and we'll we'll likely uh, you know take Georgia powers rates and just drop them a little bit you know as far as the generation of power and uh, but yeah so sometimes on days like today we'll be selling it back to Georgia power and <laughs> of course they they're gonna buy it back a lot cheaper than uh, <laughs> what uh, what the uh, they're they're charging us but uh, you know the excitement is um, is still in the tenants. Uh, it's they're being encouraged that we're doing something unique, but uh, but their their concern is really just the pocketbook. Tell me, sure. tell me exactly how much I'm going to save. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with them seeing something and going, wait a second, nothing's free. Uh, how how does this work and and of course you probably then can explain how savannah's you know instrumental in doing this and what 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 all is involved with this project and how it fits in kind of savannah's sustainability plan oh yeah oh yeah and um see we were very much encouraged by um the people at the at, at the city alicia brown uh we spoke with her and she gave us this new putting that technology in what it effectively does is it allows uh the energy to go to whoever's using it the most and it and it records how much energy they're using and uh the, but the uh the, the real you're right the the real excitement and and engagement from the city is, is strong and we're very excited about that um because uh you know being and we're excited because you know i'm on a quest to be cool and and i know my kids tell me i'm not getting there 
fast at all. I'm not getting there. But the, the, the one thing that this does is that this raises um, the, the um, sustainability and the, the cool factor. This project was a finalist in our Energy Matters Awards uh, about uh, a sustainability project in an underserved community. So, uh, you know, I'm here from the Capitol because you guys are doing this and you've been recognized for leadership in this area. And well, Whitney, thanks for being on the show today. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. And Jake, good luck as you guys finish up. Dawson, thanks for being on the show. You bet. It's an opportunity. It was just a, a fluke that I came walking by. I'm really glad to see you. Well, it's Tim Eccles. We're at Chelsea at Five Points at this housing project that's getting this solar. So you're listening to Energy Matters. I'll be back with another segment in just a minute. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Logan Booker here, producer of Energy Matters, and I want to tell you about the Advanced Power Alliance. For more than 20 years now, the Advanced Power Alliance has been leading the energy transition in America's traditional energy states. They advocate for wind energy, solar power, and energy storage, all while partnering with traditional resources to ensure that America has abundant, affordable, cleaner energy to power our homes, our lives, as well as our economy. With the growth of solar and advanced storage and power generation technologies, every state now has the opportunity to be a leading energy state. Advanced Power Alliance is proud to partner with the Georgia Large Scale Solar Association and work with the Public Service Commission, Georgia Power, and their customers as Georgia continues to be one of America's leading renewable energy states. You can learn more about the Advanced Power Alliance at poweralliance.org. That's poweralliance.org. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M CarService.com. Tim Eccles from Marlin Gas Services. In addition to supplying natural gas in emergency situations, Marlin Gas Services provides temporary fuel supply during planned pipeline maintenance and other scheduled outages, or to help customers meet code compliance. Customers include large companies, utilities, commercial businesses, industrial facilities, and even the Weston Hotel and Convention Center in Savannah when that pipe was busted under the Savannah River. Visit MarlinGas.com to learn more. That's MarlinGas.com. Hey, Tim Eccles, back uh, with you. Still here at Chelsea at Five Points, but sitting in a Savannah, City of Savannah-owned Nissan Leaf with Alicia Brown and Nick Deffley uh, and talking about the cool project. Uh, So, Nick, first, let me just ask you about this Savannah-owned Nissan Leaf. Was this... uh, I know this is something you wanted, but was it was it something that was controversial? Uh, has, has Savannah embraced it now? Uh, Savannah has embraced it now, but there was a little concern just, you know, generally about uh, EVs and being maybe circus cars or clown cars, and we have wiped that out of our city staff. They love the Leaf. They love the electric vehicles that we got. Uh, now they actually compete to see who gets to drive it next. That's cool. Tell me about this uh, Adams complex where uh, we... We're able to use make-ready money that I put into the rate case in 2019 because Savannah got a good chunk of assistance there. Yeah, we really did. So the Adams Complex is a whole new facility to centralize a lot of our public works, and it was 
really fortunate for us with the Make Ready program, Georgia Power contributed about $100,000 in infrastructure for power upgrades, running conduit, and because we were just a new project, new construction, we could run all that conduit without having to dig in new trenches or anything, put that in before the surface lot came in. So we have now a total of 18 charging stations installed, and we have power capacity for an additional 22. So we know that that'll be a place where both the public can charge during the day and city vehicles can charge overnight. So Alicia, we're sitting here uh, in the leaf, uh, just having looked at the construction installation of the solar panels going in, the sole share uh, unit on the back, and we talked about it in the last segment, but this is actually something that you that you found out about and you brought here, uh, and it's a technology, frankly, that I had not heard about. So tell me about your discovery of the technology and why it's important to the project. Yeah, so I learned about this technology in November of 2020 when I was a Solar Innovation Fellow in Mississippi at their commission. And I was really fascinated by it because it seemed like it could finally crack the nut of solar for multifamily housing that isn't master metered or in a state that offers virtual net metering, which Georgia um, is both of those things. This is an individually metered apartment complex and Georgia doesn't offer virtual net metering. So this offers a lot of advantages in terms of access, but it also offers advantages in terms of um, the solar compensation regulations we have in place now because when the solar is produced if instead of trying to serve one load, it is now serving four. So hopefully you have less being sent back to the grid, which means more money in the pockets of tenants. So you're an energy analyst uh, for Savannah. What does your job entail? It entails a lot of things. I mean, I was originally hired for the development of the 100% Savannah Clean Energy Plan, and now we've moved into implementation. But if you've read that plan, it's 45 strategies that cover everything from um, solar and energy efficiency to electric vehicles, trails, community and economic development. There's really something different every day. I'm helping manage our city's solar procurement, which hopefully, upon a council vote two weeks from now, will have us putting solar on about 20 city facilities, about two megawatts in total. Um, We're also moving into our performance contracting phase, but I write grants. I am currently leading our intervention in the IRP, so it's something different every day. Nick, I know that there is pressure on these sustainability directors across Georgia, guys like Andrew Saunders in, uh, in Athens and yourself here, to have the projects perform. Uh, and I know you probably feel that. So getting, you know, it's one thing to get the idea, to get it approved, but you're crossing your fingers hoping that it that it works and that it outperforms even what the goals were, right? Yeah, I mean, in every one of these projects, we are not a... a have a large funding pool out there to just support these projects, we really have to show that they perform, that they pay for themselves over time, and that hopefully in the end as a public entity and serving our residents that we can return some of that savings back to our community. Yeah, I I think about the Energy Matters uh, Award to underserved communities that won this. This this project was was nominated for this, and y'all were a finalist. The LaGrange project, which had about a four-year head start on you all, uh, won and they had significant funding from the Callaway Foundation. So, uh, Alicia, what do you think about these these entities like the the Cox Foundation that's really helping to fund like the big uh, Path Foundation in Atlanta uh, that's building all the trails? What do you think about kind of the public-private partnership that, that's happening on, on some of these projects? Yeah, public-private partnership is really what makes it work, because like Nick said, we don't really have much of a budget for programming, so we're dependent on grants, philanthropy, or projects that pay for themselves, like solar or um, energy savings performance contracting. Now, this was an interesting case of public-private partnership, because the landlord had this desire to do solar because it was the right thing to do, but he called us seeing if we had any incentives in place, and we pretty much had to create one because we didn't have one in place. So that's where the idea of the city subsidizing the permit fee that we usually charge for projects like this came in. We ended up being able to offer a 50% discount, which amounts to several thousand dollars, especially considering that this is a multi-phase project that will add nine buildings um, in 2020. Honestly, Alicia, uh, having a landlord that's interested in spending part of their profit to help residents save money is highly unusual. Uh, And the fact that y'all were able to broker this and provide an incentive and to make it all work is really pretty amazing. 
We're really excited about it. I mean, again, this we got to give credit to Dawson because this was his idea. But we were just able to come in and say, you know, you have this vision. Here's a little technical assistance in introducing him to the SoulShare technology in helping him navigate the permitting process. But we'd like to be able to do more to help him in the future. And we would like to see, I mean, the commission do take up this technology and really offer it at some kind of incentive or through some kind of program to other apartments because not every apartment will have money sitting in the bank like Dawson did to do this work. Sometimes you're over leveraged and you can't take out another loan or you don't have the cash reserves. If you're just tuning in, that's Alicia. She's the energy analyst for Savannah. Nick is in the front seat of this uh, this Nissan Leaf that we're sitting in here. You can't hear the car running, but I can definitely feel the air condition in this electric car. Nick, let me ask you about uh, about the the electric cars and uh, and the opportunity to use them for you know, parking services or other things as you y'all are now a couple years into this what do you feel like is the best way for cities to utilize electric vehicles uh well really i mean yeah as you mentioned the parking attendants you know they're driving around downtown savannah all the time it's a great application for them for code enforcement uh we have a number of the leafs actually out just deployed to to everyday administrative folks who are, you know, maybe doing a site visit here and there. They might need to go to different meetings, and it's perfect for things like that as well. Um, so it, it just really, for our, from our standpoint, it's just building out that 100% support for the, the plan, showing the community that the city is also willing to practice what it preaches. Um, and, you know, we've moved towards a lease of all of our fleet vehicles, especially our light-duty vehicles. And so that has also made it much easier for us to transition a lot of our internal combustion vehicles over to at least hybrid, if not electric. You know, there's a lot of uh, for-profit companies, uh, gas station companies or whatever, that are pushing back against the utility being able to build out EV infrastructure. But I think once they see some of the make-ready bills for these projects that are going on, I think they're going to realize that, wait a second, we would never be able to afford the back-end work on this if we actually had to pay for it. It is a substantial upgrade. Uh, and, I, and I don't know, Alicia, as we think about all this infrastructure money coming down, it seems like the make-ready is more than the chargers itself. Yeah, I mean, it's there's more to putting an electric vehicle charger in place. It's like you're saying, you have to run the conduit. Sometimes you have to update, upgrade transformers. It's It can be pretty significant. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there also like some legal barriers in Georgia to like a, just your average gas station selling kilowatt hours? Don't they have to do some kind of work around where they're renting the parking space or giving it to you for free? Well, right now, you can't sell electricity by the kilowatt unless you're a utility. I, I think that in talking to the, the EMCs and, and the cities, I think, uh, and, and Georgia Power, I think that's an area they probably would compromise on just with EV chargers. It, 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 it technically violates the Territorial Act, and I think it's going to require maybe, you know, a tweak in the law, uh, and it's a long-established tr- utility tradition. And frankly, the reason that that it stands, in my opinion, is because I think a lot of the companies feel like if that territorial act was repealed, that the big power company, Georgia Power, might gobble up a lot of customers uh, because they have you know more resources, the wherewithal to do it. I think the cities and some of the smaller EMCs are scared to death, and so they would rather just live with the status quo. But I think from a, a from an EV charger standpoint, um, and me having owned six EVs, I'll tell you what I hate about the current system that we've got is that as I'm getting towards the end of the charge, uh, as I'm approaching 80%, the charger is slowing down, but I'm being charged the same amount per minute, essentially. So towards the end of my charge, I am paying more for it. That would be, folks, the, those of you who don't drive electric cars, that would be like as you're getting close to filling up your tank, the the price of the gasoline starts jumping by a quarter you know, every minute 
uh, and at the in the very last bit that you put into your car, you've you've paid instead of four fifty a gallon, you've paid six dollar a gallon, uh, and it's just an I think an unfair way to price it. So we'll see if that changes. I want to hold these guys over one more segment. We've got some more things uh, to talk about, so stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. One more segment with with Nick and Alicia. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back. Last segment, uh, still in the Nissan Leaf, sitting here in our Leaf studio with Nick and Alicia. Uh, Nick, you're you're technically the sustainability director for the city. Is that what they still call you? They still call me that and a few other things from time to time. But yes, yes. And Alicia, you're the energy analyst? I am. You worked in Mississippi for the Mississippi Public Service Commission. My colleagues over there, right? Yes, your colleagues, um, Brandon Presley, Brent Bailey, and Dane Maxwell. You know, these public service commissions, usually they're appointed by the governor. Florida appoints, North Carolina appoints, most states appoint. There are maybe, you know, 10 or 11 that elect, and they're elected in Mississippi, right? They are elected in Mississippi. Do you find, I mean, that you've worked now with uh, the Mississippi Commission, and now you, you're looking at the Georgia Commission. Do you, in talking to your you know, PSC colleagues from around the country, do you find that elected commissioners maybe are out there a little bit more or more responsive? Is there any kind of general uh, general trend that you've seen in having elected commissioners? Well, you know, I haven't worked for an appointed commission, but I'll even point out that Georgia and Mississippi are different in how the elections occur. Because in Mississippi, in, in your district, like you only vote for your district commissioner. Whereas in Georgia, I believe my understanding is that you have a commissioner who represents your district, but you vote for all five of them. Is that correct? Yeah, and that's being challenged right now. Uh, there's going to be a trial uh, you know, this summer and a decision about making it just district uh, elections. In a way, my life would be a lot easier uh, because I now have to dri- drive everywhere and, and try to travel and meet constituents everywhere. If I only had one-fifth of the state, it would make my life a little bit easier. Yeah, but um, as far as the commissioners I've worked with, I mean, they're all very um, out in the public, very responsive, though I will say in both states, I think we really need more knowledge among the public about what the Public Service Commission does, because they, they make some pretty big policy decisions. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's important for there to be that public-facing accountability and not just the appointed decisions sometimes you know they're a little more political in nature but having public service commissioners who answer you when your water is not clean or when your electricity is too expensive that's important i know my colleagues they're they're out there they're talking to people and um, you know they're responsive because i see these emails that come in and i see my colleagues quickly respond so i uh, you know, hey, you know, Mr. Smith, please call me about this or, you know, giving out their cell phone number. And and, uh, and you get credit for responsiveness. I mean, even though maybe a person might disagree with a policy or the way we do things, I think you if you can help solve a person's immediate problems that they may be having with the utility or whatever, they they uh, appreciate that. 
Nick, as you have worked in this area of sustainability, have you seen more and more Georgia cities take an interest in this? Are you are you gaining colleagues from around the state? Yeah, you know, we really are. I, I was just thinking a few years ago, we had Atlanta, Athens, Clark County, and Savannah, and we would get together and talk. And, and now we have a cohort of, of local governments in Georgia, probably about 12. Uh, I mean, so Decatur, DeKalb, Fulton County, um, Tybee, Sandy Springs. So, and it's growing almost every month. We've got new members starting to join in, and we have these broader conversations around Georgia and sustainability. Uh, he's Nick. She's Alicia. I'm Tim Eccles, uh, host of Energy Matters. You mentioned Tybee, and uh, I know that I spent a lot of time down there during COVID, and one of the things that concerned me is they didn't have any electric chargers down there. And um, so I worked with the city in the Marine Science Center. Initially, we were going to use Make Ready Money at the Marine Science Center, uh, but the city actually owns that land. And in the end, I think the city said, no, let's just have Georgia Power pay for the whole thing in a community charging island. And that's what they've wound up with there at North, uh, North Beach there. So anybody traveling down there, we've got both a DC fast charger and a couple level level two chargers. And then thanks to the EMCs across the state, uh, the EMCs in response to a fundraising campaign I did for the Marine Science Center to get solar on the Marine Science Center, they donated $45,000. And then the Marine Science Center raised the rest. But that's going to be great to have both solar thermal heating the sea turtle tank they have, Alicia, as well as PV for the building. Oh, that's fascinating. I haven't seen as much like emphasis on solar thermal like as we think about like 100% clean energy but for for applications like that where you do have to have heated water uh, pretty much 24 hours a day like that's that's really cool and that's something that we could apply elsewhere in savannah probably solar thermal i put it on my house in winterville in 2010 it's a athens company that was making um this system they had bought the copyright from a inventor in california and they just stopped selling it in 2014 because no one was ordering it they couldn't sell it it involves plumbing and electrical and uh, natural gas was so cheap that it was just uh, it was just a long payback on solar thermal but i i really thought that every dorm in the state every hotel every chicken processing plant every prison anybody that uses an enormous amount of water could benefit especially if there were an institution those dorms at the University of Georgia they will be there in a hundred years because the ones that are there have been there a long time institutions keep things a long time and there's no more stable institution in the state of Georgia than UGA so I think there's a lot to be said about the colleges demonstrating technology as well as making sure they connect the dots for students. Like here, Nick and Alicia, these panels are visible to residents in this housing project. And we're sitting here at Chelsea at Five Points. Uh, I mean, Alicia, is there a way for us to help these residents understand how solar works? I think there'll absolutely be opportunities for that. I mean, once these systems are fully on the roof and interconnected, we're definitely going to have like a a press moment. And I think that's going to be important for explaining how this works because it is a little bit complicated. I mean, even just the science of how a solar panel takes the sunlight and turns it into usable electricity, that's confusing enough. But then you start putting in behind the meter distribution devices to register your instantaneous demand. I mean, all of that gets confusing, but what we need people to understand at the end of the day is heat and light are energy, and that is going to have so much less of an impact on the environment than combusting something in your home or even just combusting something at a power plant and then sending it along a transmission line. Like, seeing the environmental benefit of that, I think we can have a good opportunity to communicate it. Nick, we had three council members here today, uh, and I mean, how important is that for you and your job to have city uh, aldermen uh, seeing the technology, taking an interest in it, proud of it, bragging on it, wanting to do more? I mean, that to me is the pinnacle of success in, in doing the work that we do every day. Alicia and I work really hard, oftentimes behind the scenes, just making all of this work and trying to develop these programs. And sometimes they take years to really come to fruition. And so a day like today where where these council members can come out and they see it and they understand it almost immediately. And in fact, you know, we got to see 
the uh, apartment owner who's putting the solar up, you know, he's actually actually sitting there just learning it himself and starting to explain it in layman's terms to council members. That's fantastic. I mean, I think the big piece for me is, you know, back in 2020, the council unanimously supported this resolution and our goals towards clean energy. We got the plan approved again unanimously that Alicia helped draft and really put together in December. Uh, but that's all still the paper, right? That's still all the plan, and that could easily sit on a shelf. And and for them to come out and see something tangible uh, just a few months after we enacted that, I think is is fantastic. Yeah, you know, as an elected official, I mean, you want to leave a legacy. You want to have you want to have your term matter. You, you want to do something that benefits people. I think, I think elected officials, regardless of their political party, they want to have success. And it's so important for staff members like yourselves, you know, to be able to, you know, to take the projects and turn them into a, a reality and something that really you can be proud of. I mean, I, I know I've had ideas at the commission that didn't work. And, I, you know, I, yeah, you can learn from that, but it's awfully great to have something uh, turn out to be successful. So, you know, so I, I think, Alicia, that when these panels start working and these people are getting lower bills in these particular units, I think they're going to be telling their neighbors I think they will. I mean, there have been studies that have shown that when just one person in a neighborhood gets solar, more people around them start to get it, like regardless of income, regardless of any other factor. So we're really excited to see this solar be very visible because, you know, Savannah is a historic community and we actually have rules against your solar being visible from the street in some parts of town. And I think I understand the reasons why, but I think that can be a disservice. So really exciting about projects like this where it can be out it can be proud and it can start to cause other apartment owners to think what does he know that i don't should i do this myself just in our last minute nick you guys have recently received a a grant because sometimes when when things happen we have to clean it up uh, and it's a mess and it takes a lot of money and you guys have just received a, a very important grant yeah, we're proud to say that yesterday EPA announced that we got a $500,000 community-wide brownfield assessment grant. Uh, what that really means is, you know, we have a lot of properties, and, and every community does, you know, maybe former gas stations, former dry cleaners, maybe auto body shops that are now uh, not in operation, blighted, and we know that there's potentially some environmental contamination on those properties. So this $500,000 over the next three years will allow us to go and inventory those properties, really assess the environmental conditions on them. And then, you know, the federal EPA program has grants for cleanup. So then once we know what's wrong with that property and any contamination, we can go get funding to uh, to clean it up. Well, I want to thank you both for your, your work here in the city and thank you for your leadership and good luck in all these projects. Nick, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Commissioner. And Alicia, we will see you at the Georgia Public Service Commission soon because you guys are working on the IRP. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Well, this has been an all Savannah show and uh, awfully, awfully good to be down here. So I want to thank everybody for being on the show today and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.